The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Hope I'm not bringing you down. This is Pure Belly Blues by John DeLay. Sometimes you just gotta sing the blues. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, a daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective for Friday, March 8th, 2019. Man's making that guitar cry. Well, I don't mean to beat this horse to death or continue beating this dead horse, but... The House of Representatives finally voted on this uh, this measure that was originally designed to repudiate the new Somali Muslim Democrat House of Representatives uh, uh, El Elhar Omar. Uh, it started out, you know, after she had made repeated anti-Semitic statements as a resolution uh, condemning her uh, for this it was designed to head off efforts to get her removed from the House Foreign Affairs Committee and uh, she apologized she did it again she apologized she did it again and this last time she did it she didn't bother apologizing what, what this is called is moving the Overton window so the first time she said that uh, you know, Jews were money grubbers, and it was for them it was all about the Benjamins, their representation in Congress. Then she apologized for that on Twitter. Not a strong apology, sort of an equivocated apology. Then next she said, well, uh, the Democrats have outsized influence in Washington, D.C. because they, uh, they pay... Um, and they, uh, they give huge campaign contributions. <clears throat> if you've ever been uh, to Washington, D.C. during legislative lobbying week, you know that uh, uh, Jewish organizations do indeed lobby, exercise their First Amendment to lobby their government uh, very extensively and effectively. But uh, you're not allowed to mention that in Washington, D.C., and Omar was again required to issue an apology. This time the apology was somewhat muted. Really, it was an equivocated apology and and didn't apologize at all. Well, this last time she said, well, the uh, Jews have uh, dual loyalties. that They're not uh, loyal only to the United States, but they, uh, they're loyal to Israel. And she called that out, ignoring entirely her own uh, dual loyalty and that of uh, her counterpart Talib from Michigan, 
for the Palestinians. Well, that really caused an outrage uh, because Jews have been part of this country for since its founding and have fought in our wars and defended this country. And uh, and something had to be done. Nancy Pelosi could no longer ignore the uh, the furor that was building over Omar's continued anti-Semitic insults. Well, they had a meeting, and uh, behind closed doors, the uh, black, uh, Hispanic, and other identity politic uh, caucuses in the Democrat Party, which I would suspect now represent a majority of the uh, Democrat caucus, said, uh, you know, that uh, no uncertain terms that would not be allowed. So, old Nancy, she put together a resolution that uh, basically just condemns uh, white people for any sort of uh, discrimination or bigotry, uh, calls out uh, the history of white supremacy and uh, cited uh, hateful bigotry aimed at African Americans, Native Americans, and other people of color. They threw Jews in the mix. Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, and immigrants, and all that. So what started out as an effort to um, to try to rein Omar's anti-Semitism in uh, ended up uh, as basically a cultural Marxist statement by the House condemning white people. And uh, it's not surprising, you know, they've got to hold their cultural Marxist coalition together. And uh, it was really quite something to watch. Lee Zeldin, he's a Republican from... Uh, Southampton in uh, in New York said it uh, really well on the House of the uh, on the floor of the Senate. I'm sorry, on the floor of the House, uh, responding to all of this. Be honest with each other. We are here today, right now, because of anti-Semitic rhetoric from one member of this chamber said again and again and again. We would not be on this floor right now otherwise to discuss this topic. If that member was a Republican, that member's name would be in this resolution. And this resolution would be all about condemning anti-Semitism and it would be done so forcefully. That member in January had to apologize for talking about a hypnosis of Israel that they have over the entire world. That member had to apologize in February by saying that if you support Israel, it must be because you're bought off by Jews. That member called it an unequivocal apology even though she filled it with equivocation. And now we're back again, this time by saying that if you support the U.S.-Israel relationship, that you must have pledged allegiance to a foreign government. Except this time that member is refusing to apologize. Even if you gave that member every benefit of the doubt that she had no idea what she was doing, why now wouldn't she be apologizing? Why would she be more emboldened to refuse an apology altogether? Well, I'll take up that question because she's mainstreamed anti-Semitism in the House of Representatives. I apparently uh, am giving Rep. Omar more credit than uh, the Speaker is because I don't believe she is naive. I believe that she knows exactly what she's doing. It is an American value, by the way, to have reasonable, legitimate criticism of a government, whether it be the U.S. government, Israel, or any other government. It is not an American value, though, to be hurling anti-Semitic rhetoric. Anti-Semitism must be condemned unequivocally and emphatically. Well... Those days are gone, at least as far as the left and the Democrat Party uh, goes. It's open season on American Jewry now, 
And, uh, you know, Omar is one of the big sponsors, along with Tlaib and AOC and, uh, and the other leftists in the Democrat caucus of this uh, move to uh, the so-called BDS movement to boycott, divest, and sanction Israel uh, because, you know, they want to, uh, to have a, a small uh, homeland uh, there in the Middle East. What's really interesting about all of this is that, um, you know, uh, former Ku Klux Klan Grand Wizard David Duke came out uh, in support of Omar, along with, by the way, Louis Farrakhan, uh, and said that uh, she's speaking truth to power. You'll notice that nobody in the media or uh, in uh, the Republican Party is calling for Omar to repudiate David Duke, and most certainly not to repudiate uh, Louis Farrakhan. You know, every time, every four years, uh, when David Duke uh, comes out in support of uh, one of the Republican candidates, uh, the media go rushing as hard as they can to that candidate and uh, and uh, ask him why he's getting Duke's support and demand that uh, he disavow it. Of course, they always do. But they have to disavow it again and again and again and every four years. And the, that disavow is questioned about whether or not it's sincere. And um, it's claimed that, you know, the candidate is sending dog whistles to uh, to uh, uh, to the Klan and, and all this other over-the-top rhetoric. Well, you'll, you'll notice that uh, nobody is uh, calling on Representative Omar to disavow David Duke or, uh, or Louis Farrakhan. Duke called her the most important member of Congress. He's backed her for uh, ever since she started making these anti-Semitic statements. Um, and you would think that it would be relatively easy for her to, uh, to disavow Duke, but uh, nobody's asking, so I guess she's not going to go there. AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, has been fundraising uh, all, off of this whole episode, sending emails to her supporters uh, claiming that the uh, um, APAC and other uh, pro-Israel groups are coming after her and her fellow uh, freshman Omar and uh, Rashida Talib, she says in the email, uh, uh, Rashid, Elon, uh, and Alexandria have at times dared to question our foreign policy and the influence of money, read Jewish money, in our political system, the email began. And now lobbying groups are working to punish them for it. So that's your uh, that's your new Democrat Party. If you're a Jewish American, a long lifelong Democrat, you really need to reevaluate your position. It's been the Republicans that have uh, become staunch allies of Israel, and it's a Republican president that finally, after uh, so many years, followed up on this uh, this promise to uh, to recognize. Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel. Well, the left is also in a uh, a total and complete meltdown over the sentencing yesterday of uh, Paul Manafort. Uh, You know, he was was singled out for a selective prosecution, politically motivated prosecution by Mueller, uh, determined to find something on Donald Trump. Uh, He wasn't charged with any uh, conspiracy or collusion or anything to do with the 2016 election, but he was charged with uh, 
um, filing a false tax return and uh, making false statements on a bank, uh, a loan application. And he was found guilty to, um, I think, eight counts in, uh, in the Virginia courtroom of Judge T.S. Elliott uh, last, last year. Uh, ten other counts were dismissed after the uh, jury uh, hung and could not come to a verdict. But yesterday, uh, Judge Ellis uh, rejected the really over-the-top recommendation from Mueller's team that uh, Manafort receive almost 25 years in prison. He's a 69-year-old man who, uh, you know, probably that would that would most certainly be a life sentence. And instead, imposed uh, a uh, about a four-year sentence. It was actually uh, 47 months, one month short of four years. And uh, and as well, he gave Manafort credit for the nine months that he's been in prison, mostly in solitary confinement. Uh, toward that sentence, well, you would have thought that um, that O.J. Simpson had gotten away with murder. Uh, how in the world could this judge go so far below the guidelines? And Paul Manafort got the special, clubby, Washington elite friendly treatment. A sentence that is so far below the guidelines that it is an outrage. Look, the sentencing gap reflects what I call the value gap. And the value gap, Craig, is the belief that white people matter more than others, particularly white people with money. You're seeing a white collar, white washing uh, sentence here. There's this sentence that is uh, in, in so many ways a mere slap on the wrist. Today's decision, this slap on the wrist. It's a serious crime and he got a slap on the wrist. This was a really shocking, astonishing downward departure from the sentencing guidelines. Uh, just an absolutely shocking sentence. Shocking. And I'll tell you, as a former prosecutor, I'm embarrassed. As an American, I am uh, I'm upset. I, I find this jaw-dropping. The decision essentially ratifies the world of impunity that Paul hmm. Manafort pioneered. It suggests that something is cooked, that something is fundamentally wrong. To be a rich white man in America, you get a whole different kind of justice. I mean, how can you be a person of color right now and, and not just be embarrassed for the criminal justice system? If his name was Kwame or Pedro, he would be going up the river. It's an outrage and it's disrespectful of the American people. Actually, it could be argued that it damaged uh, American democracy. We saw from the very beginning that Judge Ellis did not really seem to have a grasp on Paul Manafort's life of crime. From the very beginning, this judge seemed to have had a hard-on for just the Mueller probe overall. And for the judge to take that in consideration, to me, is a failure. From the beginning, he was hostile to this case, and he actually sounded like uh, somebody at a Trump rally uh, from the bench. They, uh, they absolutely melted down, uh, and if you read the papers this morning, they're calling, uh, calling this a travesty, and, uh, and, you know, they were really set to celebrate Manafort uh, going to prison for the rest of his life. They completely ignore the fact that, uh, you know, no evidence has ever been presented, and Mueller has never even claimed that Manafort, in fact, colluded uh, with the, the Russians to steal the election, as, they, uh, as the old uh, mythology goes. But the Democrats are stuck on stupid, and I got a clip for you here. This is Ethan Berman. He's a talk show out, uh, host out in Los Angeles. And watch how he gets confused over what, in fact, Manafort was being sentenced for. 
47 months. That's it. We got a two-tier justice system in the United States of America. If you're wealthy, you're powerful, you're connected, you get 47 months in prison for selling out your country, for cheating, for lying, for being corrupt, for working for foreign governments without ever registering. See, uh, Judge Elliott wasn't sentencing Manafort for any of that. He wasn't sentencing him for any charge of selling out his country or failing to register as a foreign agent. Those uh, That failure to register as a foreign agent uh, charge will be uh, sentenced next week by Judge Berman Jackson in Washington, D.C. And I can tell you, if you uh, filed charges against everyone in Washington, D.C. that failed to file as a foreign agent, um, well, put it this way, the... Uh, the traffic would be a hell of a lot lighter in the morning. You could go down K Street in Washington, D.C. and pass out indictments on Farah, uh violations like candy. Here's what Manafort's lawyer, and I can't recall his name right now, but uh, you know the guy. He's uh, he's the, uh, the uh, football-looking, Irish-looking uh, uh, lawyer that uh, represents Manafort. Here's what he had to say as he was leaving the courtroom after the sentencing. Good evening, everyone. As you heard in court today, Mr. Manafort finally got to speak for himself. He made clear he accepts responsibility for his conduct. And I think most importantly, what you saw today is the same thing that we had said from day one. There is absolutely no evidence that Paul Manafort was involved with any collusion with any government official from Russia. Thank you, everybody. Well, exactly the opposite. There's a mountain of evidence that uh, the Trump campaign did not, in fact, collude with Russia, and there's absolutely zero evidence that they did. Uh, Rachel Maddow was uh, trying to soothe the hurt feelings of uh, of her um, viewers yesterday and uh, explaining to them to don't don't give up hope that we may put uh, Manafort in jail for the rest of his life yet. And he will apparently get credit against his sentence, Um, this four-year sentence that he got. He'll get credit against that sentence for the nine months that he's already served in that federal lockup. But his fate at this point really is still an open question. Manafort's next stop will be the federal courthouse in D.C. He is due to be sentenced in D.C. next Wednesday. Uh, for more felonies, for those two felonies that he pled guilty to. And that will be a whole different judge who has been through a whole different proceeding with him. For that sentencing next week, the maximum sentence that D.C. judge would be allowed to hand hand down would be 10 years. But that judge next week now has the benefit of knowing what Manafort's sentence was in this other court tonight. Now, you'll notice that uh, Maddow is sort of uh, celebrating and um, and gleeful over the fact that uh, the Obama-appointed uh, crooked judge, Amy Berman Jackson, who has conducted herself uh, shamefully during this whole episode, will have the last uh, lick on Paul Manafort. And, um, and she's suggesting that Judge Jackson should consider Judge Elliott's sentencing for entirely separate charges. You talk about a a violation of uh, equal protection and the rule of law. If Judge Jackson did that, and not having seen her actions so far, I have no doubt that she will, in fact, follow Maddow's pleading. Um, that would be a, a miscarriage of justice. Those charges are separate and apart, and they're supposed to stand on their own.
back to Maldo. So that D.C. judge next week, Judge Amy Berman Jackson, she'll not only be deciding on her own terms, on the basis of the felony charges before her, how much time uh, in prison Paul Manafort should get. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You will also be deciding whether the time she gives should run concurrently with this other sentence he got tonight or whether it will be consecutive. She can give him up to 10 years. Let's say she gives him five years. If- okay, okay, we get it. So basically this is a shout-out from Maddow to Judge Jackson, Berman Jackson, to don't let this guy get off the hook. We know he did it, but despite the fact that there's no proof, after almost uh, two and a half years and $25 million investigating, there's no proof of this charge that y'all, want, y'all demanding uh, Manafort's blood for. They, they want him to go down hard, and the reason they want him to go down hard is because he worked for Donald Trump during the election and defeated the chosen one, Hillary Clinton. It's pretty disgusting, really, when you listen to it. But that's, uh, that's where the Democrats are now. They've, uh, they don't give a damn about uh, the equal administration of justice or the rule of law as long as they, uh, as long as they can get Trump. Well, we're going to run out to a break right now. Uh, have a little commercial right there in the middle. And when we come back, <laughs> wait till you hear the latest antics from uh, from uh, Michael Cohen. you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, a daily journal of news, politics, and culture, from an American nationalist perspective. So Michael Cohen has filed a lawsuit against the Trump organization saying that he was denied almost $2 million in legal fees, and he wants to get paid. Trump's formal personal attorney and fixer sued the Trump organization, accusing them of breaking a contract when they refused to pay $1.9 million in legal fees after Cohen began testifying and, uh, and, and giving, you know, so-called state's evidence against his own client. So, Cohen, who must be one of the stupidest humans alive, thinks that the Trump organization ought to have paid him as he uh, testified against the head of that organization. He's seeking reimbursement um, for the fines he was uh, forced to pay and the forfeiture and restitution after he pleaded, pled guilty 
to breaking campaign finance laws. Of course, uh, the campaign finance law that that uh, Cohen pled guilty to wasn't actually a crime. It would never would have stood up in a court of law, and the reason he pled guilty to it is because the partisan lawyers in the Southern District of New York had him over a barrel, and they figured that this was a way that they could somehow implicate Donald Trump. Mark Mukasey, uh, representing the Trump Organization, I didn't know uh, Mukasey is... Is that judge, retired Judge McKenzie? I doubt it. It's probably a, that's an unusual last name. Maybe he's related. He uh, he replied to Cohen, the Trump Organization doesn't owe Michael Cohen one penny of legal fees. This is a desperate money grab by a des- desperate convicted felon. <laughs> and, uh, and this guy, this Michael Cohen, was the same guy that was up on the Hill last week accusing Donald Trump of being a cheat and a con man. He's now suing the Trump Organization for legal fees, while he was uh, he was testifying against Donald Trump himself. So, oh man, we got another one of these disastrous immigration rulings out of Los Angeles yesterday at the Ninth Circuit Court. It's created a another of these legal roadblocks that is designed to keep. United States from being eligible to secure its able to secure its border. The ruling broadens uh, the constitutional protections for illegal aliens and opens a brand new gateway for them to appeal for permission to stay in the country. Now, this whole notion that illegal aliens uh, can crash your border and suddenly become eligible for due process and constitutional protections is an absolute recipe for disaster. And we're seeing the consequences of that down on the border right now. But uh, we've got a, a, a cadre of leftist lawyers um, that Obama has, uh, has put on this uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, that uh, can be counted on to continue to undermine the security and sovereignty of this country. For his part, uh, Trump um, met with uh, some big uh, corporate titans at the White House yesterday, and he promised some yet higher levels of immigration to try to placate their uh, their desire for uh, more workers to drive down wages. He had uh, the chair of the Chamber of Commerce there that has fought Trump on every effort that he's made to secure the border. And Trump turned right around and promised them uh, that he would have uh, record high levels of immigration just as American workers are finally uh, starting to get jobs and improved wages. So, um, you know, it's just another example uh, that makes you wonder if, uh, in fact, Donald Trump recognizes uh, why he was sent there to begin with and if he is uh, still committed to the America First agenda. So um, you've heard that uh, the Democrat National Committee has announced that uh, they are not going to have any of their primary debates on Fox News. Uh, they've called Fox News um, you know, unsuitable for the Democrats and uh, a propaganda outlet and all of the other things. They will, of course, have um, debates on MSNBC and CNN. 
because those those are uh, propaganda outlets for the Democrats. But they're not going to have any any uh, debates on Fox News. And uh, the president, for his part, came out and said, well, if you're not going to have any Democrat debates on Fox News, then I'm not going to debate on um, on CNN or uh, MSNBC, uh, which it's going to be interesting to see if he keeps to that promise and uh, and whether and, and how all this shakes out. But, you know, this is a continuation of the Democrats' war on Fox News. They, just like uh, on college campuses, the leftists in the Democrat Party uh, really cannot tolerate opposing points of view. And in fact, uh, there was an article in uh, the Washington Post today by Margaret Sullivan. She's one of their uh, their regular columnists saying it's uh, it's about time we did something about Fox News. She says the problem started out with bad intentions and it swiftly in 1996 when Roger Ailes founded the network and it swiftly devolved in which uh, uh, often amounts to a propaganda network for for a dishonest president and his allies. Well, man, if you don't agree with somebody, you got to take them off the air. This is exactly what is going on in social media and uh, in you know the large legacy media as well. They are uh, silencing uh, anybody who disagrees with them. She uh, she says at one point in the article, um, where is it? Uh, she says for. Uh, what Fox News has become is destructive. To state the obvious, she says, democracy, if it's going to function, needs to be based on a shared set of facts. <laughs> so if we don't share the set of facts that you see in 95% of the other media, if we dare to question that, if we uh, if we dare to point out the, the fallacies of that, then uh, then we must be silenced, and we cannot tolerate a news organization that uh, that strays from the leftist talking points, and that's exactly what you see in uh, in the DNC's uh, refusal to do a um, a primary debate on Fox News. They know. That uh, you know they'll get hard-hitting questions on immigration and and uh, and trade and uh, and this Green New Deal and all all of the other lunatic proposals that the leftist Democrat candidates are having to toe the line to as uh, as the you know far-left cultural Marxists take control of that party. Well, that's about it um, for today. If you like this show, please like, comment, and share. If you're watching on Facebook, go down and, and smack that subscribe button so uh, so you'll get uh, notifications in your feed. And I hope you have a nice weekend, and we're going to take you back out with a, a song called Minor Blues for Booker by E. Jimmy Jams. Thank you.
when the weather outside is frightful. The Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. We are a community bank that believes in community banks. Through the Total Card Management Program, TCM Bank serves as a direct issuer of credit cards for banks who prefer not to issue cards themselves. From credit card portfolio purchases to startup programs, we collaborate with our partners in the delivery of innovative and competitive credit card solutions. Learn more by visiting www.tcmbank.com. TCM Bank, dedicated to helping you, not competing with you.